praise the Lord. Let's all be seated. I want to start by saying happy Thanksgiving weekend to those that are Canadians um, following us in line and those that are here in the church today. Uh, normally, on this weekend, we would have a, a meeting, a Thanksgiving weekend meeting. And when we started that Thanksgiving weekend meeting, it was just basically for us as a local church. And then it included a few ministers that will come. And then the ministers decided they need their congregations come. And then last, the last time we had one of these meetings, it was a wonderful fellowship. But times have changed, and sometimes we plan and hope that God fit in to our agenda. These days that we're living in, God is making the plans and hope that we can fit in to his agenda. And that is why this uh, past, the past weekend I was in Des Moines, um, we were privileged, and you can see the hand of God, because Brother Johnson and his daughter, Rindy, uh, they both passed away the Sunday prior to that when we were in church. And you remember when we heard that Brother Johnson passed away, we know Rindy was very sick, and I told this church I wouldn't be surprised if she passes away the same day. Well, it might have been an hour or so afterwards that she died. And um, we were planning to return back to Canada on the Sunday evening. But while we were there, Sister Pam Goodwin passed away. And so they set the funeral for Tuesday. In my mind, I said, if it was anything after Wednesday, I will come back to Canada. But it was set for Tuesday. And so we extended our flights. And I really appreciated all the pledges the local church made uh, to cover the additional cost. Because renting a car, staying additionally in the hotel, um, extending your flights, God is good. Sometimes he helps you out with some of these things. And then Brother Ormelius, uh, he passed away. Um, and his funeral is next Saturday. And so I'll be in in Brother Antoine's church. That's where they're doing the funeral. And uh, everyone dies at the time appointed for them to die. <clears throat> and I know it will be a nice thing for us to say, well, uh, they're gone to be with the Lord. They are not gone anywhere. Uh, they're lying in the grave and awaiting the resurrection of the dead. Uh, there are two basic resurrections. Uh, the first resurrection and the final resurrection. Uh, the first resurrection has two phases. It's both included in the first resurrection. The first phase resurrects those that are 144,000 overcomers. These are not defiled with the contaminating influence of apostate Christianity or apostate religions. They are in their mouths is found no guile. Uh, they are without fault 
before the throne of God. I, all my life, I try to see if I can find at least one that qualify like that. And my effort is in futility. Uh, maybe God qualifies them, taking them away at the same time. No point for them qualifying and stay on, on this earth. So when someone qualifies for the resurrection that God wants them to be resurrected in, it's time to go. So if you miss the first resurrection, the first phase of the first resurrection, which most individuals that are alive today do not qualify to fit into, then you will get involved in the second phase of the first resurrection. Uh, the bodies are also celestial, but not immortal. The first phase, immortal. I'm not trying to teach you technical stuff here. I'm just passing this over. First phase, immortals. Second phase are celestial, but not immortals. Some are sitting on thrones, first phase. Second phase, they're standing before thrones, but they will all rule and reign with Christ, according to Scripture, for 1,000 years. Now, the final resurrection is after that 1,000 years, there'll be a resurrection. Uh, they, it's called the rev resurrection of damnation, but it's also called the general harvest, uh, because in that resurrection, the majority of Christians will be resurrected and be allowed to give them a chance to enter into the kingdom of God. A lot of people would resurrect and try to war with God, and that's where the God, battle of Gog and Magog is described. Before they could even war, God destroys them. And that's putting everything in a small nutshell. And so when someone dies, don't put them where you think they ought to go. Leave that for God to put them. Someone might be a ridiculous person, might steal all their lives. And then before they die, they say, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And he says, sure you will. They'll be in a resurrection. Not ruling and reigning with Christ, but they'll come forth and be saved. I feel the thief on the cross will come forth in the final resurrection. I'm guessing here, speculating to the best of my ability. Uh, he stole, he got judged. He'll be resurrected, and he will be like the men of Nineveh uh, who repented of the preaching of Jonah. They will enter into the kingdom, not the first resurrection, but the final resurrection. Uh, the queen of the south will resurrect in that resurrection and also enter into the kingdom of God, not to rule and reign, but to be a part of the uh, kingdom of God. They'll be terrestrial. Uh, sorry, um, terrestrial, earth of the earth. And so we understand these things. So everyone that has a good relationship with God will be given an opportunity. Uh, even one that does not accept the Lord in this life, but their attitude to the child, to the church, and to the children of God is right. They'll be given a chance. God is not a sadist uh, that he just wants to pop and fry everyone in some hole somewhere. Uh, so everyone would be given a chance, and those that are in rebellion will be eliminated and destroyed perpetually, forever. And so, coming through all of these deaths and, and uh, funerals, I feel like a funeral director. Uh, like, you know, I'm going, and then, <clears throat> before you know it, there's going to be another one that will pop up soon, 
And um, then, before you know it, mine might pop up after a while. Who knows who is going to go next? And so we must live every day. Remember the poem I wrote? Uh, every day, treat individuals with respect and serve God to the best of your ability. Uh, remember, the church is not there for your uh, uh, occasional entertainment. The church is there to give you the word of God to direct your lives. And so, having said all of that, I was glad I was in Des Moines. Des Moines has been a wonderful example to us for many, many, many years. And um, uh, Des Moines, this time when I went on in, uh, the building was immaculate. A lot of the people that were a part of that church are no longer in that church. Uh, they are backslidden. Even some of the children that were brought up in the Christian school. Um, this Christian school is an asset to the church. And I would say even though 50% backslide and leave it, 50% are still in church. And that is wonderful. Des Moines has about 25 kids growing up uh, in that church. I'm looking for our children. We don't have uh, 10 uh, growing up in the church uh, that can... You know, be young ones growing up in the church. We don't have that. And when we have, they don't grow up in church. They grow up in their own environment and say hello to the church on weekends. Uh, that's not good either. But God is in control. Isn't that right? Uh, he does not err in judgment. Beautiful scripture. And I'm going to read that for you if I can find it here quickly in Job. Um, it was, I think, Elihu that made that statement. <clears throat> and I have it marked out here. He says in chapter 34 of the book of Job, he says, Yea, verse 12, yea, God will do not do wickedly. God never does wickedly. Neither will the Almighty pervert judgment. God never makes a mistake. And sometimes... The individual that is going through the process might think things are not going right for, for them. Um, sometimes you might have a lot of challenges, one problem after the other, after the other. I tell you what, <clears throat> if you don't know your Bible and you don't know the characters in the Bible and the process that God is taking them through, you'll be discouraged. That is why read your Bible understand the characters in this Bible. And when you fall into your calamity, see how they made it, and you will make it. Uh, there are times when a man thinks he's, there's no hope. Death is better than life. Well, I've seen individuals in the Bible come out of that and survived. And this is wonderful. And so Job made that statement, uh, Elihu made that statement in Job, the 34th uh, chapter, and verse 12, he says, Surely, yea, surely God will not do wickedly, neither will the Almighty pervert judgment. And then <clears throat> we can turn over to a scripture that just came into my mind just when I stood up here today, and it's in Isaiah chapter 45. Now, this is a beautiful chapter because it talks about King uh, Cyrus, uh, who found out after he conquered uh, that section of Israel, he found out that his name was in prophecy. 
Won't that be good if I find out my name was in prophecy? Well, this man found out that his name was in prophecy. And uh, this, this beautiful. But it says here, verse eight, 9 says, God said, I'm going to back up a little, verse 5. He says, I'm the Lord and there's none else. There's no God besides me. The job should not be a God. Your face should not be a God. Your family should not be a God. Your spouse shall not be a God. Your personal possessions should not become little gods that you worship. God says, I should be the highest one, the highest pedestal that's in your life. I should be on that. And so I'm reading this. He says, I'm the Lord and there's none else. There's no God besides me. Uh, he says, I girded thee. Though thou hast not known me, God says, even when you didn't realize somebody was protecting your life, you should have died already. God says, I was there protecting you because I had a purpose for you down the road. It's a sinner that is born a sinner and born in evil and grow up as a sinful individual until God decides to save that individual. They don't even know. They might not even believe there is God. But God... He says, you might not have known me, but I was there to guard thee and to protect you. And when you finish your day and you, that accident miss you, says, well, hey, I'm a good driver. No, sir. If God wants you dead, you're dead. But he protects his people and saves you on the road. And so he goes on to say here in verse 6, that they may know me from the rising of the sun uh, and from the west. That there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is none else. Are we saying, reading that? There is none else. So you and I in this day of idolatry, we can make all kinds of little idols. And when you make your little idols, God can take it away. You can make your child an idol. And when a parent makes the child an idol... You're not smart. You're putting that child in God's way. Don't make idols. Don't make your car an idol. No, don't make your house an idol. Don't make your good looks an idol. Don't make your job an idol. There's one God. Let him sit on the highest pedestal. Oh, you can, in, you can admire yourself a little, little bit there. You can admire your grandkids. You can admire your children. You can admire your spouse. But always keep God on the highest pedestal in your life. That is what Lord is saying here. He says, I form the light. God says, I form the light and I create darkness. And yet, God tempts no one with evil, neither is he tempted at anyone. And it says, I form the light and I create darkness. I make peace and I create evil. Well, who made the devil? God did not make him a devil. God made him a perfect angel. And iniquity was found in him. A lot of times we like to blame someone for our incompetence and for our rebellion. Learn to take responsibility for your own errors. You're here today because you chose to be here. Don't put the secret will of God and try to blame God or blame the devil. If you lie, you did lie. If you cussed, you cussed. 
If you did something that was evil, you did. Not God, not the devil, you did. The devil can never force anyone to do what they do not want to do themselves. So when COVID came on the scene, the devil stopped getting blamed for a lot of things. COVID got blamed. The little microscopic virus got blamed. But God said here, and I'm finishing up this, he says, drop down you heavens from above. Let me back up. I form the light and I create darkness. I make peace and I create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. The devil cannot exist except God allows him to exist. He cannot come to an end except God allows that. Your life cannot come to an end except it is a part of God's plan. God is sovereign. And that means he is in total control. And sovereignty, on the other hand, does not void out your human responsibility. Never voids out your responsibility. Your responsibility is to obey God. And that is why I'm up here preaching to you. I'm not here for your entertainment. I'm here to preach a gospel that will take your blood off my shoulder and put you in a responsible position that if God judges you, you'll know that he has a purpose behind that. And so I'm going to come to Brother Fit in a minute here, but I think that was a wonderful talk last night. And he goes on here, he says, Drop down your heavens from above and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open and let them bring forth salvation. And let righteousness spring up together. I'm the Lord, have created it. He says, Woe unto him. Everyone read with me. Woe unto him. Sisters say her. Woe unto him that strive with, with his maker. In other words, why are you doing this to me, God? Why is this happening to me? Everything has a purpose. You know that piece of raw gold? It's there and you'll kick it if you see a piece of gold. Because you wouldn't know it. Look, it's gold. The miners that are looking for gold, they know what to see in raw gold. It's never finished. And the raw gold can never become a piece of jewelry unless a process is done to that gold. While it's raw, it needs fire. Lots of heat. To melt the gold. My uncle was a goldsmith and I look at him putting a piece of gold, raw gold down. And then he gets a little, uh, little equipment. He pumps with his uh, legs and, and it puts fire on that piece of gold. And he holds that there until it melts. Because the dross, the impurities must be burnt out of that gold. Every one of you sitting here might be a piece of gold that's not finished. And for God to finish you, you can't choose the path. He will. He has a process and a way to purge each piece of gold. Who likes the fire? Nobody does. And if that piece of raw gold could talk, it would say, why are you burning me? The end result is to produce fine gold. Not 10 carat, not raw gold, not 10 carat, not even 18 carat, 
but pure gold going closest to 24 carat. And when that's done, it must be polished. It must be put in a, in a mold and shaped and beaten to form a little piece of jewelry. Process is not hocus pocus. And so it says here, woe unto him or her that striveth with his maker. Let the potsherd strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashion it, What makest thou? What are you doing with me? What are you trying to make of me? You don't question God. See, I have an article that I wrote some time ago and says, Shopping for your cross. Well, I want a diamond studded cross. You know the little ones you put on your neck? That's not what the Lord is going to, that's not what Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Each one of us, if you're elect, God has a cross for you that is designed to get the impurities out of your life and change your life into what he wants you to become. You can fight, you can buck, you can scream, you can holler. But if he's got a job that he started on you, the longer you take. You see, Nebuchadnezzar Neza did not have to eat grass for seven years. Nebuchadnezzar was, Daniel told him, you're the head of gold. What? That inflated his ego that he already had. When he heard he was the head of gold, he wanted to take raw gold and hope that it becomes a beautiful piece of jewelry by itself. No, head of gold does not mean you're the head of gold today. Daniel did not tell him the process. He says, you're the head of gold. Daniel could have said, you will be the head of gold. Today, you're raw gold, full of alloys, full of gunk, that God must purge you. And so when this man that should have been the head of gold Heard that he was the head of gold. He thought he was at that time the head of gold. So he said, it's not this great Babylon I have built. And God made him eat grass like an animal for seven years. And all his friends forsook him. Ran out into the wild. He knew that it was his problem. But he was stubborn like many of us. How many people would change their lives around on a daily process like we heard last night? We're getting into that. But um, Nebuchadnezzar waited seven years and then he finally lifted up his eyes and he says, God, I'm sorry, I repent. You're the greatest. I'm not the greatest. You're the greatest. And when he said that, his senses returned unto him. A lot of times, your victory is dependent on your lack of your submission to God. The lack of submission keeps your problems and your stresses and your sicknesses and your diseases like a leech onto you. Turn and they will go away. And the thing is, you can con Brother Singh, you can con Brother John, you can con Brother Sam. You can con some men all of the time, but you can con God none of the time. His worst con is a con that cons himself. Isn't that something? You con yourself. It's, it's something for someone ring your doorbell and try to sell you something that's not real. 
and you get conned. But when you look at yourself and you come to church, you try to con us, but you're really conning yourself. If your life is not right, be honest. Get right. And Nebuchadnezzar had that process, and uh, he was warring in his mind with God for seven years. Are you warring in your mind for many years? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Do you walk in the counsel of the ungodly? That sitteth not in the seat of the scornful. Are you sitting in the seat of the scornful? That standeth not in the way of sinners. Are you standing in the way with sinners? If you are, then you will not be a tree planted by the rivers of waters until you give up that first element. Then you will be like a tree that planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit when it's absolutely necessary. The fruit of the Spirit will be start radiating out of your life. You can never bring forth fruit living by yourself in some remote part of the earth. Away from the church. The church is a body. Not a dismembered body, but a body. And that is what is lacking because a lot of times we try to isolate ourselves and stay away and be far. No, make the sacrifice and move close to the church. You see, I was brought up thinking that the church should be the hub of all Christian activity. I have never set a bad example to this congregation. That's right. Are we still living in the same house? The city has grown around us. The street has developed. And everything has gone up in my community five times. More than five times. Six times. Six times the value. This church has gone up maybe ten times the value. Yes. Yes. More than 10 times the value. I obeyed God and he honored me. And so I believe that we need to honor God and put God as a, in a priority in our lives. And so can I say to the Lord, why are you doing this to me? No. If I fall on the rock, I will be broken rather than the rock falls on me and crush me. Do I obey God in everything? No, I've got problems. I tell the Lord all the time, can you help me to live for you? But there's a day when my life will come to an end and I can look back and say, I fought a good fight. Finish my course. I don't know which resurrection I'll be in, but I'll be in one. Mm -hmm. I believe in the resurrection. And so the process must be worked in my life. And so the Lord says, he says, Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. Let the potsherd of the earth uh, strive with the potsherds of the earth. He says, shall the clay say to him that fashion him, what makest you? What are you making? Why are you doing to me? I want to be my own kind of vessel. You don't dictate for God what kind of cross. The cross is designed to change your spirit. Brother Sam's cross is different than Brother John's cross. Your cross is different than the person sitting next to you, their cross. A husband's cross is different than a wife's cross. 
The cross is designed to make you and develop the image of Christ in your life. That is why the church is necessary. And so, uh, back here to, uh, to what we were talking about. And so I went to Des Moines and it was wonderful to hear good testimonies of Sister Pam's uh, victories and how she came through and whatever she has. Uh, what resurrection was Sister Pam be in? Can somebody make a guess here? We don't know. God knows. It'd be nice to put her in a nice resurrection, but God knows the resurrection. God knows exactly which resurrection he has already in his mind decided that each one of us go to. For Armelius, which resurrection would he be in? I don't know. I'm not going to put him in any. He's going to be in a resurrection. The one that he is going to be in, God knows. All right? Uh, where is Brother Goodwin? Is he going to be in the first resurrection? I don't know. God knows. Every man, according to God's plan and God's design, will be in the appropriate resurrection. Well, our ancestors are all going to be in the first resurrection, first phase. No, sir. Don't ever make that conclusion. It might come to a time where we look back and says, our, our fathers did not inherit everything that was wonderful, but some things they inherited was lies passed on to them. It might not be the major doctrines. It might be customs and traditions passed on. We have to have an open mind and an open heart to find out what God wants for us in today's world. And so... When we came on home, I thought last night was a good service. And I appreciate what the Lord has worked in Brother Vid's life. And uh, it's his life. But he, his talk last night was very good. Don't you all think so? Because it was closest to understanding, coming to that place, to understand that God never errs in judgment. When Jacob argued with the Lord and the angel touched him and he walked with a limp, like I do sometimes, like Brother Joe does sometimes, like most of the people in this church does sometimes, we walk with a limp. And that's not because they're falling by the same. <clears throat> but for the rest of his life, Jacob limped. But God changed his spirit and his name was changed from trickster to a prince with God. To Israel. And, and so God is working in every one of our lives. And I thought last night as I listened to Brother Vid. I listen to messages that come from the heart. It speaks to me. I remember producing this little article. That sits on the shelf unread. Because we are busy with YouTube and all kinds of stuff. But this article says ignoring judgment. Now, judgment comes in two forms. It's either chastening for the child of God or wrath for that who's, those who are not of God. Uh, so when you're a child of God, God will have to judge you and chasten you to get the dross out of your gold and purify the gold. And the process is that we must come to the place and someone says, well, I don't, I can, I can take whatever God, no, no, no. We got examples you need to read. You need to read your Bible. Read about Job. 
We have 30-something chapters in the book of Job because he complained most of the time. Why is God doing this to me? If he heard God's conversation with the devil that he was a perfect and upright man and God sent the devil to him, what would Job say? Can you put yourself in Job's position and he listened to that conversation between God and the devil and the Lord tell the devil, go. Attack him, but don't take his life. Take away all his property, but don't take his life. Afflict him with boils, but don't take his life. Can you sit back and say, well, you mean God is doing this to me? Well, Job had a whole bunch of chapters to complain. Are you a complainer when God is taking you through a process? When you meet an accident, you know an accident for an elect child of God is not really an accident. It's a part of God's plan. You know a loss for a child of God is a win. And sometimes a win when you think you're really winning is really a loss. The devil opened more doors than God does. When Paul went to city, door closed. When Jeremiah came to Israel, door closed. When Isaiah came to Israel, door closed. When Jesus came to Israel, door closed. <clears throat> but when a little flip, call himself evangelist, goes into city and tell the people what they want to hear, door open up. More doors are closed in my face than you can ever imagine. But what helps me to stay calm and to serve God is the examples of Scripture. Because if they were closed in Jeremiah's days and they were closed in Isaiah's days and most of the prophets were killed by God's people, why do I think God's people would follow me across the street? But here's the thing. If I'm called of God and you don't follow me, that's your loss. I've come to the place that I understand rejection is a part of what makes me stronger. The negatives are given to me that I might fight the battles and I don't complain against the storm. I adjust my sail because the storm God sends. Are you still following me here today? And so Brother Ved's life, and this book that I wrote <clears throat> tells you, don't ignore the negatives. Don't ignore judgment. And be surprised to know this would sit on that shelf, and it should be read by each child of God maybe 50 times. But you look at it, scan through because you don't like to read. The writing so small. YouTube, where are you? We waste our life on television and the internet. That's why your mind cannot develop the mind of Christ. It develops a fickleness, a vacillating, and you decide you depend on the world to tell you how to direct your life. Mm -hmm. This is one person that I don't care what the world does. I do what I feel God wants me to do. Yes, sir. 
Well, they're all wearing tight jeans. I took my coat to the cleaners yesterday. 25 plus, maybe more than that. I said 25, like 25 years ago. Uh, I took a coat to the cleaners yesterday because it fits me good. Inside, it's the, the, the lining is coming apart. So I got this cleaner. I said, can you patch that and make it nice for me and dry clean it? Because it's the only one that really works with me. This one I have on here was made in India. Custom design suit. And I can't even take the jacket off because about so far, I had to pull all of those together to put the pants on and tighten the buckle. So you talk about pleats and things at the back. I got to keep this jacket on. I cannot take out my jacket because it's all bagged up at the back. And I went to the cleaner and said, can you reduce this? She says, you want your two back pockets touch? I said, no. She said, it's going to cost you too much to pull in the sides and to re almost re-sew the suit. Don't, don't bother. I said, but you're making money. No, don't bother. It's going to be too much money for me to cut the seam and make it up again. But you know what? Now they're wearing tight bottoms. I've lived through the days when they wear bell bottoms. Wear a pants that big like that at the bottom. Then they go on to shovel stick bottom. Bell top. The age changes because mankind is so dissatisfied with his life. He needs something new. The idiots are running east, so the child of God runs east also. Listen, <clears throat> what kept me alive unto this day is I've learned to think for myself. I was telling them last night that one time I said, let me grow a mustache. Only from Monday to Friday. Because when Wednesday I don't shave and Saturday I didn't plan to shave, so I'll grow it from Monday to Friday. And then the mustache only grew on this one side. Went to the doctor. I said, why is it nothing growing here? He said, that's a condition that will leave you after a while. See, God helps me to live for him. And this book about ignoring judgment is something that is necessary. And, and a child of God should read this because chastening is designed to save you, man. The broken heel was not designed to injure you only. It was helping you to come to the place that you don't dance. That's me. And so when I stopped dancing because of a broken heel, and I started to look how ridiculous everybody else looked, I said, thank you, Lord, for breaking my heel. I did. I said, thank you, Lord, that I'm able to stand back and look at what's going on. He never errs in his judgment. He never perverts judgment. He's a great God. And so the scripture last night uh, we are looking at <clears throat> um, 
I'm going to just close off with uh, two scriptures here before this time runs out on me. <clears throat> One is in Galatians. You remember anybody in the congregation remember the scripture last night? Galatians 5. Thank you. And Galatians 5, and then turn your finger into Romans chapter 8. Uh, Galatians 5 and Romans 8, and look how fast I'll wrap this all together. But you know, who was it reading this scripture last night? Who was it reading this scripture last night? All right. Say that again. Who was reading last night? I can't hear you. Who was reading the scripture last night? Galatians 5. Yeah, so I'm asking to see how many people really listen to him. You know, they're like this, praise the Lord. What did he say? I don't know. I just say praise the Lord because everybody's saying that. Now, Galatians 5, he was talking about the fruit of the Spirit. But what I liked is while he was talking, I saw things here that I did not pay attention to. And after listing the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness, but if it didn't go to all of that, he says in verse um, 24, that they that are Christ, they that are Christ, belongs to Christ, have crucified the flesh. You crucify because there is a cross in your life that is allowing you to crucify the flesh, not what the flesh wants. Beautiful verse of scripture. They have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Plural to that. You got your finger? Hold that there and turn back to Romans 8. In Romans 8, chapter 7, Paul dealt with all kinds of uh, problems that the human flesh has. I want to serve God, but I can't. Because of the flesh. And so when he concludes chapter 7, he concludes it with this. He says, verse 24. He says, O wretched man that I am, or wretched woman that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of so much carnal desires? I lust I desire, I hate, I have anger, I'm never submissive, I question God. You know, every time the Lord asks you to do something, there's a reason for not doing it. Peter, launch out to the right side of the boat. I can tell you, I was not there, but I can tell you the right side was the awkward side. But I already washed my net. I don't. Does God care? Wash it a little more and then launch out. Clean net. But Lord, but, but, but Lord, I'm a fisherman. You're a carpenter. I toil all night. Fish is not running. But I remember when you told a man to put six water pots of water. I remember that time, Jesus. And he argued with you and says, no, the Jews always put seven. Jesus said, six. See, I like Jesus because he contradicted traditionalism. He says, six. Fill it with juice? No, water. 
put a few grapes in? No. Draw it out and take it to the man that will fire you if you give him water to drink and call it wine. We read a short version. I'm sure there was an argument. But the man finally went, he gave the governor, and it was the best wine that they had in that wedding ceremony. But I think that's why when I go to the liquor store and what makes sure no saints see me, I buy the hard stuff. You must tell me that, I'll tell you what to do. He always gives you the tougher job that goes against your conscience and goes against your grains. Launch out, right side. Naaman, forget the rivers in Damascus that are pure and clean. Go to the Guyanese kind of river, the muddy one called Jordan. And dip there seven times you got to be kidding. That muddy water. Well, you want me to go contaminate my sores? I got leprosy. The master said, go dip seven times, not six. So when God makes a commandment, when the church tells you, gives you a message and tells you what you need to do, you keep on doing it the way you want it done. And your progress is going to go on a trip and return when you're obedient. Listen to me. Your prosperity, your spiritual growth is going to go on a vacation until you can listen to the message that comes from this pulpit and incorporate that in your life. Simple obedience. Right side of the boat, seven times in River Jordan, march around the wall one time, in seven days, and then on the seven day, seven times, let the men who don't know the fight walk in front, the priest. Let them carry the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders and let them blow trumpets against the walls of Jericho. Illogical. But God said, he wants it done. And that is what Peter said. He says, I've toiled all night, taken nothing, but because you're saying it, Jesus, I'm gonna let this net down and get a shock of my life when they could not even pull the fish up for the multitude. Maybe your net is let down on the wrong side of the boat. It's not what you want, my friends. It's what God demands. And when I was in Des Moines that one time, listen to me carefully, this morning, early in the morning, I'm sitting down thinking about this. I'm in Des Moines. And I had this vision, one vision I ever had in my life. Brother Goodwin's preaching, I closed my eyes because the carpet is blue, uh, the, uh, the uh, pews are blue, and I hate blue. So I'm looking up at the ceiling and closing my eyes like this. And as part of a moment, I saw that entire congregation on its knees, convention on its knees, in a vision. And there was a glory about... Uh, four or five feet above the heads of the people that were kneeling, and about three feet, the glory, there was a light over the entire congregation. And I opened my eyes quickly, because that was the Shekinah glory of God 
on a congregation that's on its knees. Opening my eyes. And this morning I'm thinking, I'm waiting for Des Moines to do that. No, no, no. God didn't show Des Moines. He showed me. He showed me that if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves. Starts with me. Not Des Moines. Not somebody else. I saw it. It means it must start with me. Too many sicknesses that are not healed. Too many in individuals are dying of diseases when the God could touch their minds and touch their bodies and heal them. There's nothing impossible for God. And of course, healing does not change your spirit. You could have the greatest miracle in your life and die lost. You could have the greatest miracle in your life and still want to live in rebellion. Chastisement is good. And so, I had a vision. It meant that I must make some changes. And Paul said here, after he talks about the flesh, he says, O wretched man, verse 24 of chapter 7 of Romans, he says, Who shall deliver me from this body, this cursed body that lies, that lusts, that tells uh, dirty jokes, that wants to see carnal things all the time? Does the devil have anything that I can watch today? <coughs> action? This is a lot of action here. I got enough action here for you to watch. Man, I don't like to listen to you, what he's saying. You think they love to listen to Jesus? The longer he talked is the more they hated him and wanted to kill him. But I can't change. Isaiah couldn't change. Jeremiah couldn't change. Malachi couldn't change. None of the prophets couldn't change. They had to preach what God placed in their hearts. And I can only preach what God places in mine. What are you doing with the message I preach? And so, let's finish up this lesson here. And so, uh, the Lord says, because of all of this, the Lord says, because of this, what the law, verse chapter 8, verse 3, what the law could not do in that it was weak. The law by itself, the commandments and the laws, don't do this, don't do that, is weak by itself. That is why God sent forth his son with the Holy Ghost to help us to live above the flesh. So we need the Spirit of God in our lives genuinely. If I were the devil, I'd give you the fake Holy Ghost. Because when you have the genuine Holy Ghost, you start to live for God. You eliminate all that the world has out of your life gradually. You don't submit yourself to pagan customs and traditions. When you have the Holy Ghost, it leads you into holiness. You don't do things according to your ways. You do it according to the promptings of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost works against the flesh. And the flesh wars against the Holy Ghost. And if you're a child of God, you must understand, as long as you walk in the flesh... You are an enemy of God and you displease God. Now, you've got to figure out what walking in the flesh means. It means doing things contrary to developing the right spirit in your life. Follow with me here. 
I maybe use five minutes more of your time because I'm looking at the clock and there's only so much we can keep on this message. And the Lord said in verse 4, that the righteousness which is in the law might be fulfilled in us. Can you live according to the righteousness in the law? Yes. How? Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. To walk in the spirit means I must have the spirit. Now, brother, saying I speak in tongues, that doesn't mean you have the spirit. But I don't speak in tongues. It might be you like John the Baptist. You got touched with the Holy Ghost. And it was in your mother's womb. And you're walking in the spirit. Was Simeon walking in the spirit? Yes, he was. When the spirit led him uh, to the temple that day. He didn't speak in tongues, but he had a spirit. And I've heard people speak in tongues that don't have the spirit, but demons. And the flesh. When you have the spirit of holiness, it leads you into holiness. The Holy Ghost in your life would make you feed on things that are holy. As you walk in the spirit, the flesh cannot take advantage of you. It will try. Occasionally you might slip and fall. But it comes a time when you've got to quit because the spirit must develop Christ in your life. So it says here, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the carnal, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Listen to me, children of God. Just bear with me up here. <clears throat> YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. I gotta watch, I gotta watch. See, if it's not spiritual, it's carnal. Not all carnal things and natural things are evil, but if you become an addicted to anything, if you don't let the word of God be in your mind more than anything else, then you have a problem. Wasn't it good to hear about a vid driving, going to work and listening to the message? It would be nice to listen to some country music, eh? Your cheating heart. Huh? No. Listening to the word of God. The more you listen to the word of God is the more your mind is attuned. And we have made it possible for every one of you listening, uh, sitting in this church to listen to the word of God all day. We have made it possible. Are you... Tapping into what God has provided for you to listen to. So, verse 8. So they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Galatians 5, the few verses at the end there. It says, the dead of the Christ, verse 24, have crucified the flesh. As you crucify the flesh and don't do what the flesh wants and what the world wants, you're developing Christ. You're crucifying the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. Let's walk pleasing to God every moment of the day. Don't make excuses for not. Find a reason to do it. And the last verse is, 
Let us not be desirous of vain glory. Hallelujah. You know, I go to the meeting so that I can preach that when the meeting is over, everybody can walk by and say, Good job, Arsene. It's <laughs> so good. That's a good job. Good job. You know, my kind of luck, and I say luck, but really God has designed for my life that people scarcely walk over to me and says, thank you for the message. When somebody walks over and says, I really enjoyed that, that's a fickle child. When somebody walks over and says, good, good preaching today, fickle. When somebody walk over, walk over to me and says, that thing really convict, convict me of the, some things working in my library, saying I'm going to change. That's the child of God I want to hear. Good job, Brother Singh. I don't want to hear that. Good preaching, Brother Singh. I don't want to hear that. Has it changed your life? That's what I want to hear. Because my job and my ministry is designed to change your rebellious life. As it changes my rebellious life. Anything else tickles your ears. And doesn't change your life. It's a waste of my effort. And my ministry. Verse 26. That's the one we're finishing with. Let us not be desirous of vain glory. Provoking one another. Envying one another. You did better than me. I don't like that. Your stuff is better than my stuff. I don't like that. You see, <clears throat> if the Lord resurrect me in the final resurrection and give me a little piece of property and says, take a cabin, you waste your time. You did not become an overcomer. So you got to settle in. I, that's a little cabin. Some of you are going to see you and the family today. But you think about a little wooden cabin. Little fire going up there, little garden at the side, rose bush that don't die, that don't prick your hand, no bugs, little garden. Well, I want a big mansion. Knock yourself out. I want the simplicity that God intends human beings to live, where they neither hurt nor destroy. In all my holy mountains, saith the Lord. Where my life is a simple life, and I don't have to compete with you, or compete with the neighbors, or show off on somebody else. Well, my stuff is better than your... Listen, your stuff is your stuff. And I'm settled for my stuff. I like what God has given me. I appreciate every day. I appreciate every battle. I appreciate every trial. I appreciate every rejection. And I appreciate good days and bad days. He has a good job he's working on. When it's all over, I'll receive exactly what he wants me to receive. So will you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this another day in your house. Thank you for helping us not to ignore judgments in our lives, Father. Help us to understand and appreciate your hand working positively and negatively in our lives. Help us, O oh God, to understand that your plan for us will be fulfilled in spite of how rebellious we may be or how exalted we may be. Cleanse us, Father, please, we pray. 
Fill us with your genuine spirit and help us to develop the spirit of Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord.